Hello and welcome to Shoots a Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast. I'm Spencer, and with me is... Uh, I don't like this movie. It's Joel. It's, it's a way, way to fucking <laughs> just roll with the punches, man. Just like, come on. He's Spoiler a, alert. He's an artist that fucks a lot? I don't know. No, I mean, he's he's... Wait, is that why you don't like the... Ne- ne- okay, we'll get into it, yeah. You didn't yeah. even make a joke about me being a cameraman who likes the ladies. Yeah. No, that's not... <laughs> sure, I guess. Mm. It's Antonio, it doesn't inspire much out of me. <laughs> I don't understand how wow. it leaves you cold. But that's I... okay. okay. I want to hear. I have a comparison point to bring up when we get to... If it's the cat in the hat, I'm going to be pissed. No. But, um, so, uh, joining us is returning guest and friend uh, of me. Maybe friend of Joel. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Kind of animals. Yeah, someone I've met in person, unlike you, Joel. Oh, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, Why don't you introduce yourself? My name is Aaron Gambrel. (laughs) Hello. Yeah, uh, well, thank you for coming on, and uh, so what made you pick uh, Blow Up? Um, So I love this movie. It's one of my favorites. I watched it probably maybe 10 or 15 times at this point. Um, I just have a very visceral memory of when I first watched it, which was it aired on um, Turner Classic Movies, I want to say like 2007-ish. Um, and the reason I remember that, and I think it was the, that summer, was that um, it was like a really hard summer for me. I had a, a ex-boyfriend passed away and like, just like, I don't know, it was just like a really hard uh, summer to get through. But um, I was staying with my parents and I would just like watch Turner Classic movies like in the middle of the night or whatever when I couldn't sleep. And I remember this coming on and me watching it and just being very... Um, I don't know, taken aback by how visually striking it was, but also like the sounds. And the reason I remember it was in summer was that uh, there's, um, so the main, the main scene, I guess there's a a couple, but the the main scene where um, the character David Hemmings plays is doing his um, photographing. It takes place in a park and all you hear is, you know, minutes and minutes of silence except for like the wind rushing between the leaves of the trees. And that just feels very like summer, like late summer to me. Um, so, yeah, I just I, I just loved how like silent the the action sequences were in this movie. Um, and I just thought it was a really really good movie <laughs> so oh. when i saw you guys were going to talk about it i was like yeah i would love to talk about this movie yeah well i don't uh, unless because it's out uh it's known i don't like antonioni and i'm forcing <laughs> myself to watch more to be like why do i not like it exactly and uh i can say joel it's better than la ventura oh yeah <laughs> I, I hear I hear the words coming out of your mouth, but they don't make any sense. It's it's like you're speaking a foreign language to me, but that's that's okay. Okay, La Ventura, I don't have to speak all the languages. La Ventura took me three or four days to watch because I hated it so much. <laughs> this I it took only one day. 
good. Did you watch it all in one sitting, or did you have to like come back to it? Uh, I reached an hour mar- the hour mark, and I was like, I can't do this. I have to go to work. Okay. So I'd rather go to work than continue this movie. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a, <laughs> the hour the hour mark is when the the like the meat of the plot, if there is any, mm-hmm. starts to happen, which is funny. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand hating that. <laughs> if somebody were to say, like, it takes too long to get going anywhere, I'm like, and then it goes nowhere. Yes, it's perfect. Right. That's how I feel. <laughs> but it is very subtle. I mean, I think Antonioni is, like, an incredibly, like, subtle, like, he's, you know, he he's very subtle with his uh, technique. So I think that, yeah, you do have to, like, rely on more than just kind of plot and character investment to be, you know, kind of compelled to, to watch his movies all the way through. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And it's hard cause you know, David Hemmings plays a totally unlikable character, but I was, I rewatched it, you know, for this podcast and I was thinking like, I don't think it would work if he was likable. Like I think it works for me anyway, the movie works well because mm. he's a, you know, giant dick, dickhead. So, yeah. But before we get into all that, uh, I would feel bad to not talk about uh, what's happening in Texas. This will mm. come out in October, but still, I kind of want to bring this up because I don't think anything will re- will change by then, given uh, who who controls this country. Uh, just my personal opinion, but um, yeah. So uh, Texas has a uh, overly strict and fucked up abortion laws that. Mm. The other people who are more qualified than me, who know more about this topic, can uh, discuss at more at length. But I just want uh, wanted to be known that uh, if 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 you feel helpless, like you can't do anything, you can donate to several um, abortion funds uh, in Texas that are fighting. And mm-hmm. as and I, and seeing like the attitude of like oh fuck texas it's the worst it's like well there are people there who who hated it who didn't want it to begin with so that's a reductive Mm -hmm. uh definitely uh way to look at it Mm -hmm. but uh there are things uh but you can donate you can just do more research it's just uh it, it would deeply it would really bother me if i didn't bring this up uh uh you know yeah Planned Parenthood is a great um, place that works nationally. So they, I know that they're um, seeking to transport people. Um, I know Lyft and Uber, crazy enough, are actually um, helping to literally like transport people out of Texas that need um, abortion services. The main problem that I see is that the you know they've banned in-person abortions at six weeks. Um, which is a lot of that's a, that's an incredibly short amount of time for someone to realize they're pregnant. Like, like that's very often, yeah. Right? Like when they discover they're pregnant. So um, yeah, so they've effectively banned abortion if they've done it by then. But um, yeah, I agree with Spencer. It's you know there's a lot of options out there um, to donate to. Also, I know you know none of us live in Texas. <laughs> we, and so if anyone wants to visit <laughs> for, for yeah. any random appointment you might need. If, if for some reason you need like to like take a quick vacation or something mm-hmm. like that, just hit me up at JDT movies on Twitter. You know, you can, you can stay for, for however long you want to take that little vacation for, if you know what I mean. You know, 
Just putting that out there. There you go. Yeah, and uh, okay, with that out of the way, and last season we did the Dolomite biopic thing, and uh, one of the people portrayed in it, uh, Jimmy Lynch, who was one of the last ones alive from that group of friends that uh, Rudy had. He just died a couple days ago. And uh, hmm. it had, it's back in a lot of news, seen on pictures, and the Rudy's family um, made an announcement, so I think it's legit. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, rest in peace, Jimmy Lynch. You know, hmm. Th- think think what you will of those movies. I personally love them. So much personality. I was just like these group of people who, in theory, should not uh, be movie stars and be in movies, but God damn it, Rudy gave you know gave him a shot. They made some great movies together, and you can tell like you can see their friendship in the movies and learn more about them. You learn Rudy is actually a pretty cool guy overall, and uh, loved his friends. And I, I think it's uh, you know I, I just don't want to bring that up. So okay, uh, <laughs> all right. So okay, so blow up. I think I first heard of it. When did I first hear about it? It probably would have been honestly like when I first saw Laventura and then I added it on uh, the Netflix DVD queue. But then after I saw Laventura, I tur- I I had like five <laughs> or six Antonioni on the DVD queue. And after I saw Laventura, I took off all of them because uh, I had such that big a reaction to it. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> yeah, I still, I still don't even know. Like we had an entire episode about that, and I still don't really know. It's just, I didn't say an episode, uh, but it feels like watching Jim Jarmusch to me, where it's like, in theory, mm-hmm. if you described it to me, I would like it. Mm-hmm. But when I watch it, it's excruciating. And like it, it's so slow and so boring, and I just <laughs> don't care about anyone or the music. That's, okay. See now, now I understand. Okay, that, and, that makes a little sense. It's like I felt like watching that vampire Jarmusch thing again, where it's like, oh, it's almost yeah, that, over. Like, and then I saw one the of time. My favorite movies. Then I saw a time code. I was like, it's been half an hour. Jesus fuck. <laughs> and I turn and unlike, like I'll be honest, if I didn't. If this wasn't for the podcast, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have finished the movie. <laughs> like you mean for La Ventura or for Blow for, Up or both? For, for both. Oh no! Um, <laughs> like, like I don't want to. Like I didn't know this was when, like I. I want to figure out what it is about Antonio that irritates me so much, but it just like I. I just can't sit through his movies. It's, like mm. they just drive me insane to sit through. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about Antonioni or not Antonioni? Uh, that's who we're talking about. How do you feel about um, Leone, Sergio Leone? Mm. I've seen the ripoff, the Curse ripoff. It's enjoyable. I feel like a lot of his stuff does get very wandery. Like, what are yeah. we doing? Why are we just focusing on faces and just like waiting and stuff like that? Maybe you hate Italy. No, I like <laughs> plenty of Italian stuff. Just 
I, I mean, like... I, I can see, yeah, that Antonioni, yeah, is like, it's a slow burn. Um, it's, yeah, again, it's very subtle. Like, the, there's not that much, like, action, action. It's very, like, contemplative and thoughtful. And, you know, okay. you do have to be in the mood for that sort of thing, I think. So, like, you know. I, I can sit through, like, a four-hour event movie and be riveted the whole time. <laughs> Like I, I, I love every like every Revit movie I've seen. I love. I don't. I want them to be two hours longer every time. <laughs> so like, it's not long, slow stuff. I don't like. It's just like something with Antonioni. Mm. There's not. A, there's not a lot of dialogue even either. Like I was thinking about the, what what you're describing is my problem with the two Romare that we did, which mm-hmm. is that like I don't give a shit, and we're not going to get anywhere where I'm going to have a satisfying conclusion. And, yeah. it, like, all I have to do is hear intellectual men jerking each other off. Not literally, thank God, but this one, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot of him by himself or him very tersely interacting with mm-hmm. with people. And But it is a lot of him just, you kind of have to read context of, like, what he's doing, what, he, what he's about. And it's... I think the movie appeals to me because it's about artists, and I'm surrounded. I live in a freaking artist community, so mm-hmm. I, I don't. Luckily, I don't know any jackoffs like this, but I guarantee they live <laughs> upstairs or something. <laughs> I mean, this movie has been accused of being overly pretentious, so like that would not be far off the mark. I think if you I know. think pretentious is oh, it's such a. It's not overused, it's just, it's meaningless. It's subjective, definitely. Art is an interpretation by the people who look at the art. Like, not not even the interpretation of the artist is necessarily important. Like, if you need context for an interpretation of art, sure. And then you can, like, decide it's pretentious based on what the Mm -hmm. director wanted to do. But just pull it into yourself and and see how you feel about it. Like, if you don't get it, that's okay, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Spencer. No, just kidding. <laughs> we we have one Antonio and he left, and I, I will get. Uh, and I tell every guest, you you're, you can come on with any movie you like, but I will I will say no to Ant- Antonioni again. <laughs> that's that's the one rule. I did not expect you to have this big of a reaction, a negative reaction to it. I mean, I didn't know you know I didn't know what either of you would think of it, but um, yeah, I don't think I've ever met anyone who like. I think, you know, being apathetic makes sense, but the yeah. fact that you like to actively dislike this movie is very uh It was a struggle to, to me. It was a struggle to sit through. <laughs> it's uh, see if you listen to the years that we've been doing the podcast, I, I've been trying to figure out what Spencer's recipe of what he doesn't like because he'll go see something big box office that I get blown away by and he'll be like yeah I fell asleep during the movie and I'm like what and then he'll go see something that I I don't even consider seeing and he'll be like oh yeah it was fun you know like I I really enjoyed this thing and I'm like okay I, I don't told no yeah but I told you I cried during suicide squad the new one <laughs> right yeah I know that yeah I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing cuz I have not seen that movie and I know nothing like next to nothing about it so the the notion of crying at it is, that's, wow, that's something. Makes you want to see it. I, I think he's good. He could be selling these movies. Sure, you know, like, sure. <laughs> put it on the poster. Ratcatcher 2 made me cry. 
<laughs> yeah, she's the best part of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, do you guys like David Hemmings as an actor? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. Uh, J. <laughs> in the in the two things I've seen him in, yeah, I like Gladiator him. and this. Yeah. Oh, okay. well, deep deep red and yeah. I think he's very um, interchangeable with Terrence Stamp. Oh, okay, I was thinking that the and, whole time. Yeah, and actually, I read um, he's like, like I tried Terrence not to like read too much about this movie, like to like color my opinion. But I did read that Terrence Stamp was considered for this movie, and mm-hmm. Terrence Stamp also has a history of working with Italian directors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, um, I was thinking the whole time like this: th- if Terrence Stamp was in this, I would like it more because I would mm-hmm. buy like the. Him being like a, a fuck guy oh, uh, a bit more. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> He's always getting laid. Like, yeah, I mean, Terrence Stamp. I've I've seen young Terrence Stamp. Like, what? Yeah, he's Ter- beautiful. Watch Terrorama. Yeah. Like, I I want to. Okay. I want him to fuck me and and, and me have. Yeah, but a, that's Terrorama. Like okay. everyone's fucking but, that movie. Spencer, like. Uh, the joke in Austin Powers is that he's not attractive, but he's got the way. Like, this is... Yeah. <laughs> this is Austin. This is like a... You can tell this is a huge inspiration for Austin Oh, Powers. definitely, yeah. Especially yeah. the way he talks to the models that he's photographing, especially uh, Varushka at the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah. He's like, he's like literally says, yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean it, it's pretty to look at. Like I like the modeling yeah. sequences and the in the kooky fashion and stuff and the colors. This is mm-hmm. it reached a point where it's like, it, can someone else join? Maybe it's because he's alone. It, mm-hmm. I like I, it gets so boring because Lamatura is the same thing. Like a lot of the no, oh, yeah, same character by themselves and like searching think, or doing whatever. Yeah, because I think like a good hangout movie to me is like Rio Bravo. But you have multiple people hanging out, and you have like different dynamics between the people. And if it's just like if the movie was just John Wayne, I probably wouldn't like it as much. Well, hmm. yeah, you 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 just put in an essential piece. Okay, so you didn't like Blade Runner twenty forty nine or whatever. Yeah, I mean, uh, which also, I think there's lots of reasons to. But he spends a lot of time by himself in that movie, and that's the movie's kind of about his fucking loneliness too. Mm-hmm. On top, you know, and like the the soundtrack gave me a headache. Uh huh. Mm. And then the vampire movie, they they both spend a lot of time by themselves, and even mm-hmm. when they they don't, they're they're really just kind of like experiencing things and not talking. Uh, yeah, Patterson. What else way. don't you like? Um, you hated Buried, where Ryan Reynolds is dip- buried alive in a coffin. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't see that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Patterson. Yeah, so you don't like it when someone's being like in too interior. I think mm-hmm. when the action's happening like inside a character. But, Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Kind of thinking like Patterson's the same thing. Jared, don't listen to this. <laughs> I like your scene see, in, in Patterson. <laughs> See, okay, I got infuriated for by the beginning of this movie, mm-hmm. specifically because there was dialogue. Because all those people were dressed like mimes, and they were having the fucking yelling and <laughs> jumping. I'm like, this is this is not the way mimes are supposed to be, guys. Yeah, I've, it's obnoxious. I've yeah. seen a mime performance, and you know what? Didn't say shit. <laughs> yeah. But 
it's so like kook it's like kooky like six like swing in 60s london like it's oh, like yeah. you know it's in your face and like yeah obnoxious and and then you yeah. see him come out of like the the flop house and uh that's you know i don't know i the contrast is jarring but it's i think it's pretty interesting i think it's, it's the contrast is that supposed to be a joke where like the contrast the mimes with like the middle-aged people who are factory workers and then it never really comes into play it's like a, like a joke of like this is an art film but not but not what you're thinking type art film that's not how I read it myself. Aaron, what do, you, what do you say? I think that it's... So, I think you're shown multiple classes and multiple, like, ways yeah. of life in in London. So you see... Yeah, you see... I, I'm assuming that those are, like, college students who are charity fundraising because they, like, you know, ask for money at some point. And um, then you see, yeah, like, the working men then you see like some nuns um later on we see vanessa redgrave's character and the dude that she's with who kind of like i don't know to me i've always felt like he was like some sort of like government official or whatever that's it's never stated but like he just seems of like a higher middle class and so i think that it's like there's all of these you know people's lives that don't necessarily overlap except for in the street where you see this happen yeah, Spencer, how do you feel about No Country for Old Men? I saw it once and I loved it, but I saw it, but that was like when it first hit DVD, mm-hmm. and I have not, I haven't really watched any Coen Brothers in almost a decade. Now to think about it. Hmm. Okay, sorry, I was going off subject, but I was just thinking that that movie has a lot of like people just kind of like doing things see like that's what i found fat one of the reasons i find the movie fascinating is because we don't get nobody's like oh you were out there taking pictures of the uh people have to live in the flop house and oh yeah black and white very artistic like that Mm -hmm. is that is kind of like a snobbery thing and a commentary on like a generational thing it's Mm -hmm. like well yeah all these people exist but nobody really talks about them like yeah and nobody will even if you've taken those photos it's and eventually, you know, 20 to 30 years on, who knows? All your friends and you might be in the same kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Somebody taking photos of you, they don't even bother to ask permission because these people are just in the background. And, um, yeah, like, I don't I don't know what the director's intent is, but the way that gets revealed where he just, you know, has the, the photos developed and then he shows them the guy and it's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really like that. And it's like the, the little mysteries, the the big mystery at the end, I think has, because it has no satisfying ending, I found that to be more satisfying than it would be if it was like, it was always the ex-husband. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like, it is, a, I, I totally agree, Joel, that it's like a generational thing where you know, his character, I think his character's name is Thomas, maybe, Um, although that's never quite clear, but, like, that he works in, like, high fashion. He's, like, known to be this, like, sought-after photographer, and so he exists in kind of this world of, like, glossy fame, and, like, you can assume that he deigns himself to condescend to these, like, working-class people to get, like, the real gritty reality behind how they live, and, like, I think he takes that on as like 
being some kind of like he fools himself i think into believing that that's kind of some artistic integrity where he's like otherwise just like a fashion photographer um but when he catches this mystery unfold i think that's when you really see his artistic integrity come through and you see like him working as a craftsman and like actually trying to uncover um a a, a, a story with pictures um, mm-hmm. So it's an interesting like journey that he takes because yeah, I definitely think it's like a snobbish thing to be like, let me like catch these like quote unquote real working men, um, you know, sitting in this flop house at night or whatever, because uh, everything else I do is kind of like frothy and you know meaningless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting that he, and he's basically like <laughs> he's cosplaying as one of them you know he's, he's he comes mm-hmm. out wearing the same dirty style clothes and things like that and he's he's parked his really really nice car some mm-hmm. chewing on plastic far away so that they don't know that was the thing but uh, you know at the point when he's leaving he doesn't care anymore but he doesn't bother to do that when he's taking the photos in the park like because he assumes I don't know the position of of these people he's taking the photos of because of where they're dressing or the fact that it's a public area. It's like, mm-hmm. like oh, it doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> I got these pictures, you know. Right. That's that's all it is. And to them, I doubt that even came up, you know. But yeah, I don't know. But like safari pictures as opposed to photos of what he considers to be a zoo. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Anyways, bad movie. No, 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 it's fine if you like it. It's just, I, I well. I, I do you want to go? Do you want to go through the plot, or how do you guys? How do you? How do you I unfold this? That's how. I mean, I'm happy to. What was, <laughs> there's, there's what, no real, what was interesting? There's no real structure. Uh, well, uh, no structure to a show really anymore. But um, yeah, this, this show is a mess. Just, yeah. No. <laughs> no. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up on the uh, Love and Tour episode that I forgot to write down. That I was going to bring up in, during a Deep Red one, but Joel, that episode, if you remember, was kind of uh, chaotic because Jared and Megan are like to ramble, which is part mm. of what makes them charming. Uh, but still, <laughs> it, uh, there was no room for it. But I, I have. But uh, the way Antonioni had like frame stuff is very um, Argento. We're mm-hmm. like a lot of like distant, far away, and I specifically think of in Suspiria, where like in the in the courtyard where like the dog kills his blind man, yeah, uh, guy, and like and I and I uh, that type of uh, shot feels very like uh, uh, Antonioni. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, like, no, I to- I totally get that. Yeah, pl- just placing your camera in a position and and having the actor follows a series of activities within the frame you know maybe the camera will pan but it doesn't really go anywhere until you're suddenly next to the character yeah yeah like uh, it like inhabiting the environments like that is cool in my in my opinion and also like use of color I i can see like maybe uh argento like saw like how the color was used in this and was like oh what if i do that but with red all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, Definitely. Uh, yeah. So that, uh, so it, this feels like another, like, 
him doing like a Hitchcock nod, but just like with La Ventura, where it's like, you think it's a Hitchcock mystery, but then it's like, no, it isn't. It's it's its own separate thing where the Hitchcock angle doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it were Hitchcock, yeah, you would definitely have a sense of justice, I think, being served at the end. You would have uh, the guilty party revealed. You would have, um, yeah, some kind of, like, better closure, I think, than in this. But I, I agree with what Joel said earlier, that I think that this movie works really well because it doesn't have those things. Right. He's a nobody who got a glimpse of, of something that he wasn't supposed to, and it just got taken away from him. And, like, I feel like that is the common experience for people who who would experience something like that. You know, almost like a, a ghost sighting or a UFO or something like that. Yeah. Nowadays, you'd be way more likely to catch something because of just the accessibility of, of cell phones and the cameras and recording devices. But back then, yeah, like somebody came in, took the negatives, took all the photos when he wasn't there. You know, he, he's got like a basically an open area for people coming and going all the time and it just gets taken away and mm-hmm. oh i didn't like i didn't even notice that <laughs> yeah oh you didn't notice at the end that he was missing all the stuff no i, I thought it, lo- it looked the same to me <laughs> i couldn't uh, no, no all the photos are taken down from yeah, the he wall had, oh he had them all up pinned up on the wall and stuff like that yeah i thought he I took mean, them the sh- down in between scenes we didn't see you think the maid took them I don't know. <laughs> the I... shot it's definitely oh. not it definitely I can see how you would miss that Spencer because like it is not there's no intentional like zoom into the wall the photos aren't there anymore like you, oh. it's it's like he kind of looks around and um, I mean his place is yeah and like he, a yeah. chaotic artist mess anyway but like um, yeah it's not it's not that intentional to show you that it but but yeah it's you're supposed to understand, I yeah. think. That, and he doesn't have a reaction. Like, right. he, he's he's not like, what the hell? Who could yeah. have done yeah. this? Yeah, my you know, He's not on the phone trying to call the police or something like that. It's just like, it's all gone. Like, mm-hmm. I was, I can't believe this, it just happened. And, you know, like, like I don't know if he's in shock or whatever. But I, I think that uh, an, another thing that's interesting about the movie is this is all like a 24-hour period Mm -hmm. or whatever, right? So when it comes to cuts, there's almost not a time where we don't see him doing whatever he's doing in between driving to places or, or, you know, whatever else he's doing. Otherwise, we see him hanging out in his his place, and he's not, with the exception of the situations with the clowns and stuff, it's it's almost never not him who's in the viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Spencer's not convinced. I, I don't. No, no, it's. Okay. I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> no, no, no. It's. A, I mean, you don't have to be. I'm not trying to convince you or anything like that. I just uh, things to think about, right? Yeah. But I know if I watch it again, I'll be annoyed watching it. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. yeah. You don't have to watch it again. I de- I will say though, I I find this to for me find this to be a very rewatchable movie because of those things like, you know, maybe missing the fact right that that someone took his photographs at the end or um, like 
there's some foreshadowing, I think, with his friend that's that's kind of easy to miss. Um, where so he goes and visits his um, painter friend who lives across the way and uh, is like looking at his work and his. I think they're both in a kind of similar. Um, like artists conundrum where they feel maybe a little bored with their work, some kind of sense of ennui about, you know, themselves as artists. And so his friend is like, you know, I did this painting a couple of years ago and like, I just don't know that I like it anymore, but there's, you know, he's like, sometimes when I do a painting, I feel like there's nothing there, but then I'll find something later to connect to it with. And he's, then he says something like, it's like finding a clue in a detective story. And that completely foreshadows later when David Hemming's character takes photos of a, you know, a, a couple who seems to be flirting, but also play flight fighting. You don't really know exactly what their relationship is um, in a park. And then obviously, yeah, when he d- develops the film, he sees something that it really does act like a cue, like a, like a clue to an actual um, murder mystery. So like, that is something that I think I probably didn't catch until like a second or third rewatch. So was the dead was was he actually murdered? That's I mean it's up for a little bit of debate, but yeah, I think so. He could have been like, taking a, a nap it, in that bush. Because in the pictures, <laughs> like I, I watched a standard definition version, I couldn't see anything in those pictures. So it could, it's could, very hard. There's only one photo I think that you can finally see a gun in. And like mm-hmm. a face. Okay, I c- I couldn't make a, anything in those pictures at all. And and also, it's not the uh, the entire point is like you zoom in so close that things become, you know, trying to figure out mm-hmm. what the truth is. They just become all the same scatter of atoms. Like it, you can't get so close to you you'll you'll miss the bigger picture and all the action that's going on just trying to figure out what's this one individual detail is but that's also sometimes like the painter was saying the one individual detail that makes the entire thing interesting Mm -hmm. or worth thinking about so it's it's playing around with that Mm -hmm. and interesting to him as the photographer i think like i think we see the act of him processing and developing his film and like i guess that's what i mean earlier about being like a craftsman like i think that that's like a really interesting series of shots is to watch someone develop something and like he i don't even think knows what he's seeing or like you know he Mm -hmm. he just sees like that there's something there i think what he really notices is vanessa redgrave's face looking off camera and then he tries to discover like what she's looking at and that's why he continues to like blow up some of this film um but that to me he seems happier i mean he's not like giggling smiling whatever but he seems more at peace with himself, that character, at that point when he's like figuring out this mystery and like doing what he loves and processing this film than at any other part in the movie. And I think right. that that's an interesting statement too. He's focused. Like, yeah. This is the only time we've ever, you know, uh, I, I liked this second time because I remember the first time it's like, oh, he's buying a big propeller. What's going to happen with that? You know, like <laughs> right. other things like that. And the fact is he's he's an artist. He sees something that he's inspiring. He's trying to trying to purchase things. He's been trying to purchase things all day, you know, from his mm-hmm. artist friend. Will you sell me it? And the mm-hmm. guy's like, mm, no. <laughs> like, and then he's can. like, will you give it to me? It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. That's worth a shot. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's all 
it's all because he's trying to find something to like, ooh, you know, spice it up again in his in his existence. Like yeah. when he brings in the photos of the uh, the flop house, the people, you know, taking their showers or changing their clothes and sleeping or whatever. He doesn't develop those photos. He doesn't care. Once he hands it off, it's like, mm-hmm. I know it's going to be good. Whatever. My my assistant can figure it out. For this stuff, it's like, no, this is this has become personal because mm-hmm. somebody's interested. Yeah, so. that's true. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So the other thing I find interesting about this movie is that as, you know, the whole premise of it is the visual, right? Like, he sees something he maybe shouldn't have seen or doesn't know that he saw or whatever. However, what I love about this movie is that as you're watching this all unfold, it is not as much visual as it is like audible. Like, so he, you know, you hear the, that whole sequence where you hear the, just, just the rustling of the, the wind, the leaves in the park. And then um, later when he goes back to revisit the park at night, he sees a dead body um, I do love that that guy is like he looks super dead. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's like it's like man, he like why did he become so like ghostly zombie pale over you know a series of a couple hours? I, but um, when, when that scene happened, I thought mm-hmm. it was like a wax dummy. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's some. I think there's some critical theory that maybe he wasn't there, and maybe David David Hemmings's character is like seeing what he wants to see. Mm-hmm. Um. Which, again, goes to the end where, so he sees that same troop of, you know, clowns and mimes, and you see them miming playing tennis, and he gets involved because they, you know, uh, throw, or they, they hit the imaginary tennis ball over the court, and it lands outside of the court, and then he's mimed, asked to get it, and he throws it, and then you you just see David Hemmings' face and you see his eyes move back and forth as like as if he can see the ball passing between them. There is no ball. And you can hear, that's what I mean by the sound, I guess, is that you can then hear the tennis ball that's not there <laughs> hitting the racket. And it's mm-hmm. so great. I just, I love it. I really love it. Yeah, that's like the scene in Timbuktu with the soccer game with the kids. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that scene, Joel? Um, yes, yes, I do remember that. Scene. I don't know that movie. What's what scene is that? Um, uh, uh, wait, you haven't seen Timbuktu? Mm-mm. Oh, um, it's what country is it? Is it? I think it's Burkina Faso. Uh, the director has a very long name that I have to look up to remember how to say it, but uh, I won't do that. Uh, we had a whole episode on it last season, mm. but it's about a, a, a town taken over uh, by um, a Timbuktu taken over by um, a jihadists, and just like a slice of life ha- mm-hmm. kind of hangout movie of like what it's like to live there. And mm. uh, there's a, a soccer game with all the kids, but they're not allowed to use a soccer ball. It's never explicitly oh. said, but it's kind of hinted. But they play like a mime soccer game. With like I I feel like that and there's like soccer audio mixed into it and it's like a magical like uh a scene. I love mm. that. Yeah, Timbuktu Two I think is usually streaming. At least it should. Yeah, be. I'll have to check it out. All right. <laughs> but, uh, the 
So this movie made me realize that, uh, like, like certain white actresses from this era kind of blend into the same person for me. Oh, definitely. And like, uh, I saw, uh, so 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 the first girl that you see in his uh, in his place. Um, I thought that was Vanessa Redgrave at first. And I thought it was Jane mm. Birkin. And I was like, okay, those aren't the same. And, and so, like, I, I think part of, and part of it was just I found it confusing to follow who's supposed mm-hmm. to be who, which I think mm-hmm. is just a me thing of, like, white actors yeah. of, like, sometimes all kind of blend into the same uh, thing for me. Yeah. No, I definitely also think it's a marker of, like, baseline 1960s fashion model like they all look very similar gene shrimpton julie christie twiggy Mm -hmm. like you know they all have these like big eyes super fair skin pumped up hair rail thin yeah like it's yeah i definitely agree with you spencer i think that that's a real thing for sure Uh, okay yeah i can i I can consider that a real complaint but i may i say about vanessa redgrave Mm -hmm is that I kept seeing her character Max from Mission Impossible and like this this movie's trying to get a little sexy with David Hemmings and her and I kept going like oh, I don't know how I feel <laughs> no wait Max actually is kind of sexy in Mission Impossible oh my god I'm 40 uh, <laughs> yeah I love that they never really get sexy though they just take their shirts off yeah like <laughs> They're just literally hanging out without their shirts on. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I had a dumb thing in my notes of, uh, do you think uh, Vanessa Redgrave um, role plays the, uh, that scenario with Franco Nero? <laughs> I, I think her and Franco Nero have very casual, basic sex where they they schedule in advance i mean he's he's continued to be extremely busy yeah i mean around this time they also had a kid oh okay yeah then they broke up then they broke up in the 70s and he got back together like 15 years ago you can't stop love yeah you can't it's it's, it's beautiful she's a smart one and franco is kind of stupid Franco Nero, star of the yeah. movie Killer Mermaid. Mm. Yeah, he, no, he's not really a star of it. He, he, won't, he won't say no to a paycheck, which no, no, it's yeah. fine. I, what else are you supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and there's a moment with the Jane Birkin character who mm-hmm. uh, did the part where, like, I kind of looked away and. It sounded exactly like Charlotte Gainsbourg, and it, mm. at least, uh, which makes sense because you know they're mother and daughter. But like, it's like some of her, uh, like they 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 sound identical at times in this movie. At least to me, it sounded like that. Hmm. Mm. I've definitely experienced that with um, Tippi Hedren and Melanie Griffiths. Oh, like I've seen, sense. you know, to be hindered in something, and I'm like, gosh, she sounds like her daughter here. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, but that's cool. Okay, so the whole thing. Um, what do you guys make of the whole uh, uh, Jane Birkin and what's the other uh, something Hills? I didn't write down her name. Uh, that whole Gillian, angle. Gillian Hills. Yes. What do you make of that whole angle? Is is that just? 
does that serve an artistic point or is it just kind of like a uh uh i don't know just the two yeah the, the two like, girls who keep coming young around. girls yeah so i it definitely for me is like the weakest part um However, I, the only plot point I think that it serves is, well, A, underlines the fact that, like, you're not supposed to like David Hemmings. Like, he's nope. not making great decisions. Um, B, that, like, yeah, everyone wants a piece of him as far as, like, he's this, you know, famous fashion photographer. But C, I do think that they need a kind of reset because up until that point when they revisit him... And then that's when they kind of have these like little sexy play games um, is he's been fo- really focused on finding out what, you know, what is compelling him about these series of photos that he just took. So I do think that it serves as a like a reset for him where he has to like step back and not think about those photos mm-hmm. because that's yeah. when he comes back and actually sees what he sees. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's the only thing that that really serves as is like, uh, showing him as a character who can be who can be distracted, and we mm-hmm. see him like later when he uh, is trying, you know, when he when he walks through the Yardbirds concert and stuff like that, <laughs> and even when he's out, um, yeah, t- watching the mimes like play tennis and stuff like that. It's like these these things catch his interest, or they at least distract him for a little bit, and it's you could see where he would just be like, oh, well, I'm done with that, and, like, just wander off, you know. But the based on what I was reading about the movie, it, it feels like it was inserted as a, like, uh, like a fuck you to the censorship board yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which, okay. y- yeah, that makes it unnecessary, but... Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, uh, It's a weird scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, that's but I don't real, think it's that's a lot of nudity I forget in it too. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I was naked when I was watching it, but <laughs> no, I mean, a, oh, you mean the movie? No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> maybe never mind. Nah, I'm not gonna go down this road. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> no, I mean there there are two moments of nudity. There's yeah. there's that, and then there's the photos of the the old people. Like that's a that's a wow. I never mm-hmm. really thought yeah. about that. That's an interesting yeah. cross. No, uh, yeah, there's a part in the. This is such a specific thing to bring up. In the commentary, director com no, actor commentary for the first Resident Evil movie that yes. on a episode of Cinema Parlor, Stacy brought up, where there's a part where you see uh, Amila for a glimpse fully nude. And in the actor commentary, it's her and um, Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez says, oh, I saw you naked uh, uh, during that scene, like mid-conversation. <laughs> like she'd never seen the movie. <laughs> She uh, just didn't remember. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's cute. Yeah, that would be funny if you were doing a commentary next to somebody. Oh, oh my god, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were <laughs> right. And you're sitting next to me. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what's that? Uh, so the, um, with the yardbirds thing, did because like I'm still unclear with like I, I was paying attention, just like my notes get random and scattered and I'm like I don't know uh like they don't make sense why yeah <laughs> but like so did he see her go to the concert or am I thinking to thinking about too literally or no you're he... right yes he's yeah he's supposed to have seen her outside of the club 
Okay. But she disappears. Once once again, is he really seeing this or not? Yeah. Which I think is a theme of Antonioni's. Like, I think that that kind of spans more than just this film. Like, of, of a character kind of vanishing. Even the main character, like you would see at the end with David Hemmings. Like, he just kind of vanishes. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is where me and Aaron announce our Antonioni is great podcast. It's coming oh, go for it. In a it's few fun. weeks. So. You can get Albert Kane on there. You can get uh, Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Albert Kane? Albert Kane is a huge Antonioni fan. Oh, that makes sense. Also, how fun is his name to say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he sounds like he's from a horror movie, but I think that's that, he's probably got that before. Yeah, and he you know has a great New Zealand accent, so it's like I like to hear him talk. <laughs> oh yeah, I've never seen him, but you know I'm I'm into him. We'll figure it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Spencer, I really like your review on Letterbox oh. because that is one of the best lines in the movie. Yeah, that's the funniest line in the whole movie. Uh, I, I, I get rid of that. Uh, get rid of the. Get rid of that bag. It's, del- it's diabolical. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That is a very good. It's very bitchy, and I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, that that felt like a read. <laughs> but uh, yeah, where was it? Um. Okay. So, Durna and Aaron, have you seen La Ventura? It's been a long time since I've seen it, but yeah, I've oh, seen okay. it. It's been a long, long time. But uh, Joel, so with La Ventura, I, I talked about um, how that is kind of like a response to like showing how male behavior can be. It, I, I saw, like can can like is a bad thing, like being sexist and kind of gross towards women. Mm-hmm. And you and you're like, but, but also the movie like is kind of uh uh male gazy and like objectifying it a little bit do you see this movie in the same light as trying to be like showing like this like brash male artist thing is bullshit but also showing like the the sexism i don't know where i'm going with this you're saying that antonio himself is being sexist by showing these things but he's also yes revealing the sexism yeah, because you right. brought up like the boob grab in the in La Ventura, which yeah. is in like in just like the the nude scene where they're changing clothes, where it's like right. it's kind of like a weird mix of like is he like is he engaging in the thing he's kind of criticizing mm. at the same time? I'm yeah, not, at, I'm le- at least in there, it's like he made a a scene that you could somebody would say like this is an arousing scene, but also he's making his commentary. Yeah, in this one. I don't know. I, I guess it's when he's flirting with Vanessa Redgrave when she seems like she's okay with it or whatever. That that scene that suddenly feels intimate in a, mm-hmm. in a crazy way. But like the three way, absolutely not. Like there's right. nothing sexy about. And maybe it's the play fighting thing that I find especially distasteful yeah when somebody says no now as an as the person i living in this era i know that doesn't mean they're joking and if they are joking then we need to have a discussion (laughs) Mm -hmm. so uh no i i i I, yeah i stand by what i was saying there basically okay i know i know you wanted me to be like what are you talking about it's great well i do think that i mean i think that you know, David Hemmings' character could have been written much more charmingly. Like, I think that 
you know, he didn't have to be so harsh and he didn't have to like say things like bag of diabolical or like, you know, I think in that case, I do think he would like Antonioni would have been practicing his own sexism possibly by being like, you know, uh, why wouldn't these women want to have their way with him? Blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think that he really showcases David Hemmings being an asshole. <laughs> and so, you know, that up upends, like, any notions of, like, you know, oh, they're having a sexy time or whatever. Okay, yeah. And uh, also that, 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 uh, that whole thing, that weird through something, that got, it got weirdly, like, into, like, uh, roughy territory. Like, I felt like, I felt like watching like almost like Vixen or like an earlier Russ Meyer movie in terms of like because mm-hmm. it got weirdly aggressive where r- most of the movie isn't aggressive Mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely like a romp but then he like kind of pits them against each other which is like kind of gross yeah. it's, it's super gross it's not kind of gross it's super gross yeah in that point, I realized he kind of like Robert Pattinson is kind of like the modern day equivalent of David Hemmings and uh, Terrence, a young Terrence Stamp in, in the looks department. I would say yes to Terrence Stamp. I don't think David Hemmings is. I don't think he's conventionally pretty or handsome. Yeah, he looks like a prune. <laughs> like, I think he's cute, but like, I don't think that he's like the average mark of handsome whereas like i would say terrence stamp and robert pattinson are like you know anyone could look at them most people would look at them and be like they're objectively handsome i don't think that's the same for david hemmings yeah uh yeah his career was is fascinating when i looked into it because he kind of turned into like a guy who will just appear in anything because like by the 80s he was he was directing A-team TV, uh, A-team uh, episodes and appearing in, like, uh, Magnum P.I. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, I feel, so, like, it seems like in, during the 60s and 70s, it seemed to be, like, the industry was, like, yeah, we, like, kind of offbeat guys like you. And then it, by 80s, like, no, we don't want <laughs> you anymore. <laughs> yeah. He's in his movies, I, d- I didn't even realize, like, he's in Gangs of New York, he's in gladiator mm-hmm. gladiator he's like grotesque and ugly which plays into his like unique his like his I, you know his very striking appearance mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in such a long time i don't remember he is the old man cassius uh i looked it up and i i, I immediately remembered him from the movie mm. he has the crazy eyebrows in it <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to. Watch you really don't it, remember cause... him in Gladiator? I mean, it's been like twenty years since I saw the movie. Mm. Yeah. Oh. And I tend to. Yeah, I tend not to remember things after a while. You know, like a person, <laughs> right. I guess. I don't know. But uh, I totally forgot he was in Barbarella. And like, yeah. And the thing is, like, his character in Barbarella is a character that I find the most forgettable, which makes sense <laughs> why I forgot he's in it. Spencer to David Hemmings, drop dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Barbarella, but like his scene, which is like the the safe sex with the pills, uh, yeah, joke thing, like that was. That's always kind of my least favorite part of that movie. Mm. 
Yeah. I mean, Barbarella is definitely more of, like, a tone poem. Like, a silly, crazy sci-fi tone poem instead of, like, yeah. Yeah. Highlighting good good characters and good (laughs) plots. But he has the best name, Dildano. Dildano, yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay, one more thing I want to bring. Well, a couple more things. Uh, With the way Antonioni is, like, remembered and... Like, this is the one that people always seem to go to. And that, mm-hmm. it, I, I was thinking about why is that, and I realized, oh, it's in English. And it was like, uh, and, it, and that's probably the reason it's the one that people rem- go to as like, oh, that's the, uh, that's the one you gotta see. Because yeah. it's in English. And which is the same reason why like, Zulowski's uh, Possession is the go-to one. is like, because it's the one in English and actually kind of easy to find compared to other ones. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, my favorite moment in the whole in all of Blow Up is when he's processing the pictures, mm-hmm. because uh, I didn't know how that was done. Because I I knew about the the like the the chemical stuff. But I didn't know like how it's put onto like uh, how it's put onto like a uh, paper and stuff like that so seeing this was mm. like a revelation like okay this this solves a mystery that i could have looked up but like it's kind of cool seeing like like i did love that sequence of this the process of like this is the yeah. film this is how mm-hmm. you this is the chemicals this is the this is the projector this this is the room like it, it's like i love the process uh stuff mm-hmm. yeah so, the part where he uses like the light source yeah to, yeah, that's pretty interesting. And like that, Sarah was saying, uh, Sarah's a photographer, and she she was saying that it's unusual for him to be doing a a cast on a wall as opposed to you know the when he, when he puts the image onto the the paper, it's he projects it onto a wall where mm-hmm. the the paper has been put. And usually, she said she's never seen one that wasn't pointing down down towards yeah. the surface. And the only thing I can think is that must be to make larger scale stuff. Like he doesn't he doesn't have the equipment for a larger photo that would be on a surface as opposed to hanging it in a position and then adjusting it so that it can be projected onto the paper from there. But yeah, yeah, I think that he can make like I mean, considering the like the fashion aspect, he's probably making like poster sized things. Um, in his studio to like give options to like magazines and stuff. Whereas like he would have an assistant do that, uh, you know, with, with a more usual thing of having it down, you know, cause this, cause he's doing it on this paper on the wall, which is going to be arguably like a lower quality print. Mm-hmm. Like it's just this like poster paper essentially that he's using. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. That yeah, my is... sister's a photographer, and I've I've been in a dark room with her before, and it's fascinating. I understand zero of it, but oh. it is like magic. It's like the closest thing to magic you can get to. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. My grandpa was a photographer, uh, like uh, as a hobby, and uh, uh, up until uh, in, in high school and through college, and then when when he, I think it was like when my mom was two or three, he had to quit because like he couldn't he didn't have no time for uh, that anymore mm-hmm. also like he was like 20 uh when 
yeah, I think he was 21 when mom was born. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, it was the 50s when, like, a 20-year-old could have a kid, and it's like, and, you, and you're fine money-wise yeah. working minimum wage. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, and this was New York, too, which is crazy, but, like, yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm <laughs> jealous of the, the economy my grandparents had. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But the the process stuff also makes me think of like uh, Tom Popo and Juzo Itami's films, which all of them are about the process of showing different things in the most exciting way you can show it. Well, except mm-hmm. for uh, one, uh, the most boring one in my opinion. But like a taxing woman, like is a process of like how the tax system works. And it sounds boring, but it's so so much fun. And then you have like you know supermarket women, but like about like showing how supermarket works and like this i imagine tommy saw this movie and was like oh i want to make movies about just showing people the right way how to do things <laughs> <laughs> and um, i feel like i mean there, i feel like there were even pieces of that in the agnes varda that we did uh la, la point cross or whatever little point court la point court where uh, we saw a little bit of like how the fishing in the oh, in the yeah. village went and and some of their traditions and things like that it's like this yeah and and that's another reason why the movie's interesting to me is that we get this clue into an aspect of life that we have no way to see you know like mm-hmm. you, you've seen a documentary thing but this is you know it, it's a fictionalization of of a way it might have gone who knows if it was true but it is it it touches on like fashion and it touches on uh, economic differences and it touches on uh, dr- driving like an asshole in England. No wait, uh, <laughs> you know, the, these little clues. And I'm sure there are a ton of other movies that would also do this. Uh, Blow yeah. just happens to be a, a more famous one. Yeah, but like, mm-hmm. but Tommy's big thing was like. Uh, we 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 cover a few of them. Is a showing like this is how this process is done. Also, there's a story going on with a bunch of jokes, but it's more focused on like showing, like uh, like wrapping the story around like showing like how the tax system works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I fell asleep. What was that? <laughs> taxes. Okay. Uh, that was Spencer in this movie watching this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, that too. <laughs> No, it was just a lot of loud sign, and then uh, oh. the, the, the <laughs> photograph stuff happened. Like, oh, this is the most exciting thing in the world right now. But <laughs> so I, I'm I, curious I, if I, you guys have seen Blowout. Then I I've love Blowout. Blowout. Well, that's interesting to me, Spencer. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting, Spencer. I uh, the Palmas okay, hitter. Bo- the Palma, I'm hot, very hot or very cold, mm. and that's when I'm very hot. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm very hot on Dress to Kill, even though there are some very uh, big issues oh, sure. with that yeah, movie. Yeah. But yeah, it, but it's kind of really exciting, <laughs> and yeah. like it's trash. You know, it, trashy Hitchcock, but I kind of like the trashy Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah. No, I love De Palma. I will. Yeah. But this is a direct homage. <laughs> Blowout is a direct homage to this movie. I didn't know that at the time. Uh, like watching this, mm. it was like, "Oh wait, this is just a response to Blow Up." <laughs> and Blowout is mm-hmm. a response to this. 
which should have been clear based off the name, but <laughs> and also like the Hitchcock yeah. vibes too. Like, For sure, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, like Travolta is. I, I'd rather have Travolta than Hemmings, but. <laughs> wow! I wow! 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 wow. I, I yeah, disagree. I, I, I don't. I would have to see it again, but yeah. I. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know, know that I agree with that. Like David Hemmings, just something about him I don't like, and, and even Deep Red, I didn't like him that much. Mm. And he's uh, Weasley. He's for sure yeah. like kind of like a Weasley everyman. But I, I don't know. I like that. Like I like a Tim Roth character, and I feel like he's kind of like that. Like where he's like kind of a little bit mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I like find, not like, classically handsome. Like his presence is off-putting, but not off-putting in a way it's. Uh, interesting off putting away it's like mm. I just don't like you and mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I don't, what it, I, don't, I don't understand yeah I didn't talk about a deeper episode because that one got so so off the well, rails because we couldn't talk I, yeah no, we, no, we I couldn't talk that, yeah. at all yeah no was, uh, okay I've only seen him in these two movies Deep Red and this one but he's playing a disheveled kind of artist like still you know, his his clothes are, are wrinkled, his hair is floppy, you know. Mm-hmm. He drinks, he's he's doing a little bit of partying, things like that. Yeah, he's and, like always sweating. And <laughs> and I think he's just fine in, in both of those things. Yeah, like, I mean, but he's not bad. He's just like, his the, aura the reason, bothers me on some level. Mm. I don't know. The, the reason <laughs> why I don't think Terrence Stamp would work. He's too this, sexy. Mm. He does. He doesn't have an expression face. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like, that's a good. I, yeah, I agree. I don't know what Taron Stamp looks like when he's surprised. <laughs> Not much different. <laughs> Exactly. He's got his mouth open. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, he's not as, like, every man as David right. Hemmings is. Like, I think that it's harder for you as a viewer to insert yourself into a character that Terrence Stamp is playing and be like, hey, let me, like, follow this mystery with this dude as if I'm, you know, I'm in his place, you know. But you can more easily do that with David Hemmings, I think. Yeah. Okay. That's how I feel. Spencer sent me the photo of uh, David Hemmings and Gladiator. Yeah, that is a sex machine. What the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> you see those eyebrows? Yeah. I, I like a little landing strip. I was going to say, I mean, big eyebrows are in right now. Like, unruly eyebrows are mm-hmm. kind of in. Yeah. Uh, what was it? I can't remember. Uh, oh, the concert scene. The it reminds me of a something I did at a concert. So you know how he took the um, uh, a guitar neck. Yeah, yeah. And and kind of ruins other people's nights. I did that <laughs> at a at one of the first concerts I went to because uh, the drummer is for Nile. Uh, this uh, yeah, it was Nile, not Trailfield. And the drummer threw out the George Coleus threw out the drumstick. I almost had it. Someone jumped up in front of me, and they grabbed it, and I swatted it out of their hand because they got in front of me, <laughs> and I quickly <laughs> ducked away. <laughs> so they oh, wow. me. <laughs> That's amazing. 
I had a friend who um, went to a Roots concert and uh, Questlove threw out his sticks and one landed between her and this other woman. And um, my friend totally like King Solomon did and broke it in half and <laughs> gave, gave one half to the other girl. And I was like, that's such a genius move. Yeah, that's so, pretty good. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Share the love. I- I, don't know I, if I, I thought you were going to say she King Solomon it and cut a baby in half and gave her <laughs> right, half right. the baby and took the, drum, the whole drumstick. It's like, if you truly were the the mother of this drumstick. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, so, so Joel, they, like, he's buying weird stuff for the, um, for his shoots. Does Sarah do that or her photographer friends, like, buy, like, random antique stuff for, like, that looks cool. Why I can use that in a shoot? Is that a thing? Um, I don't think it's a photographer thing. I think it's a creative person thing because mm-hmm. I mean oh. Sarah does that. Like every everybody like if you're if you're somebody who goes into thrift stores and antique stores, you'll just see something that you you'll you'll feel inspired about. And I I, I mean that happens to me too, but usually I have a very specific tastes in like um i'm trying to think of something i i usually am like oh i need to get that like i uh when i was like younger i was really obsessed with cubes as a shape and i that sounds silly but i i just thought they were like really cool and i would like draw cubes and i would have like all these cube things so when i would go to thrift stores with sarah if i saw something that was like an unusual cube i'd be like yeah i gotta own that so I, mm-hmm. I don't know that's like me with bird stuff i have a lot of bird stuff around the place <laughs> uh, and also a former guest uh, slash friend megan sunday sent me some bird stuff for last for last christmas which is oh that's sweet uh, yeah mm-hmm uh yeah yeah i agree especially because his his like his home is at his studio space mm-hmm. I bet he does that a lot, like that character that he just like grabs stuff that looks cool. Okay. Yeah. And it, it's all disposable, you know. It's all momentary. Like that. There's that time right. where he like gets the sign from somebody and, and puts it in the back of his car, and he's like, "Oh, it'll be fine." And as he's driving, it it just flies out of the car yeah. and goes under a tire, and it, it's he doesn't sweat it because yeah. it was a momentary like, "Oh, I like that" kind of thing. I mean, he forgot about that propeller when the guy shows up. He's like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, no, no. Right, no, I right. remember. Like, mm-hmm. it's like this impulse. I have to have it now. Mm-hmm. And when I do, I'll have to have the next thing. I guess. Like even the paintings. Like he probably never thinks about those paintings when mm-hmm. he's not in that studio. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, the longest thing that we see him focus on is this mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, everyone knows I, my opinion on it. However, <laughs> if it's not, if if it sounds interesting to you, by all means watch it. Like, <laughs> I'm like I won't tell anyone not to watch Antonioni. Just you know, it's just don't make Spencer watch it. Yeah, yeah. We have right. one one left, and uh, the guest on that one will do most of the talking. So I'm thankful for that. <laughs> mm. And uh, I hope he's doing well health-wise. Uh, I think he's finally gonna. I might cut this out, but if I think he's finally uh, healthy enough to get to be 
to start recording again, maybe, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the, yeah, Blow Up is easily available. It's everywhere. It's, you know, it's the Antonioni that's easiest to get a hold of. And, uh, Definitely. yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's, you know. Criterion it, has it in their collection. It's influences everywhere. Austin Powers, Juzo Otami, uh, like, Argento. Like, it's, uh, even if you don't like it, you, like, you will see the influence that this movie has had. Uh, For sure. Very clearly. Yeah, I, I think if if you like Austin Powers and you want to know what the hell they were talking about, this this movie is pretty good gateway into yeah. this and, and like it's the a Beals much better. Movies. Yeah, it's well, yeah. I mean, those are okay, right? Yeah. But I feel like the, if you watch some of the '60s movies, it's it is just like, oh yeah, let's have another music scene for about ten minutes because we got a pat of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no reason why. <laughs> And, like, yeah, I was reading that um, Antonioni originally wanted the Who um, for that scene with the Yardbirds, and that um, instead they just had Jeff Beck smash his guitar like Pete Townsend would. And I was like, God, like, what a weird... Yeah, I've never seen Jeff Beck smash a guitar before or since. Um, yeah, it's just it's a very 60s scene to just have in there. Mm-hmm. Uh is the Yardbird someone that was like Jimmy Page and other people, or is that? Yeah, Jimmy Page and and okay. Jeff Beck, and that's the I. Um, to my understanding, this was filmed shortly before Jeff Beck left the Yardbirds. Okay, so it's like rare to have them. I was trying to be in there. I was trying to pinpoint mine like who's the famous one in that that I know, because I, uh, I was thinking definitely Jimmy I was thinking Page. Cream, but no, Cream is the other the other super group from that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the I don't know. Uh, nineteen sixty six recommendations. I just found a list I had on my phone of stuff I did put down months ago. So, which uh, how convenient? No, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, because uh, we're covered a, sa- a lot of same years r- over and over again. So I, I make sure to have a list of stuff I want to bring up. So I have three movies and a book. Hmm. So uh, I'll let the guests go first. All right. So um, my first one is Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Starring Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. Famously a married, then divorced, then remarried, then divorced. I think they only married twice, but off on again, off again couple. Um, it's like definitely an acting movie. Instead of like a directing, you know, uh, any mm-hmm. kind of else, it's like um, it's based on a play. Um, they are at their best, I think, in this movie, but also maybe like they just feel very authentically themselves <laughs> in this like very toxic relationship. There's a lot of screaming, a lot of alcohol abuse, a lot of like super uncomfortable moments where they are totally alienating their guests that they have over. Um, but it is like, it's an amazing movie. Um, yeah, that's one. Um, another one that I know that Spencer quote unquote more than loves. He doesn't just love this movie. That's true. Um, but it's daisies. Uh, it's, that is an extremely like watchable and rewatchable movie. The, the um 
relationship with the characters I've always felt is very compelling. Um, the fashions are adorable. Um, there's a lot of eating, which I always like in a movie, um, when there's like this like interesting take on food. Um, yeah, it's like kind of carefree. I feel like it's very new wave, like check new wave, but very, very new wave. So if you're listening to this podcast, you probably like new wave. And so you should definitely watch that one. And then my third one is how to steal a million which oh, is I was going to have Peter that one. Oh, you have that one? Oh no. Oh no, you can you can say that one. <laughs> so it's Peter O'Toole and Audrey Hepburn and it is it's not my favorite heist movie. That would be Le Cercle Rouge, but um uh it's it's up there. It's like in a very good like art heist movie. Um there's definitely some romance in there. Um Peter O'Toole I feel like is likable in a way that I don't, I don't think that he is in other movies. I'm not a huge Peter O'Toole fan, um, but I really like him in that movie. And uh, yeah, it's very fun. I haven't seen it for a while, but it's it's very fun. Okay. Yeah, that's um, that's one of the, uh, to me, uh, like lesser um, Audrey movies, but it's mm-hmm. also like her, uh, might be her most fun one. Yeah, it's very fun. Yeah, I'd prefer that over Breakfast at Tiffany's any day. Oh, for sure. I agree. Yeah, that movie's garbage. <laughs> I, I think it's garbage. Charade. charade? That's really fun, too. Uh, yeah, Charade's pretty fun. Mm. I don't know. I have to rewatch Charade. I, I've only I've seen um, um, How Still a Million uh, more cl- uh, sooner. Well, most recently, I should say. <laughs> yeah, I think the chemistry between her and Peter O'Toole is very, very good in How to Steal a Million, where I don't necessarily believe the chemistry that much between her and, is it Cary Grant? In yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not that yeah, I, d- I don't know. I just, yeah, I mean, it, it's they're Car- both powerhouses of their own, but together I don't, it's not as much for me as it is with her and Peter O'Toole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get that. I mean, yeah, in, in fairness, I don't think Cary Grant would have been interested in her that much to begin with. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Um, for me, I'll start with the book first. It is, uh, I think, the best starting point if you're going to read Philip K. Dick, uh, The Crack in Space, mm. uh, or The Wait, or Now Wait for Last Year. Uh, both came out the same year. Uh, both are really good starting points. They aren't as convoluted as his books can get at times. They have all the uh, central like themes of like paranoia, drugs, government, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That comes that I read like maybe fifteen of his books, and it's kind of like it, he he was really obsessed with those themes over and over again, but never quite gets old. But these are they're short reads, and uh, it, it's a good indicator of like if you should. Uh, go down deeper the the PKD uh, hole if you're mm. if, and he has like 45 novels so if if you like it there is so much more to read and some that uh, that is kind of worse and more convoluted and crazy that is still good in its own right but still it's not as uh, it yeah like he, he is up and down I, I'll say that Okay, mm-hmm. first movie, uh, Trans Europe Express, uh, Jean Louis Trintignant, and I don't know. This movie is weird. It's like an art house BDSM movie, and I don't. It was like murder mystery. It's 
it's a lot of things we're going to talk about later on, but I think it's definitely, if, if you haven't seen it, I do recommend watching it. And that episode will probably be a, a mess given who the guest will be on. He'll make it chaotic and uh, we'll ba- probably barely talk during the whole thing. But uh, he he knows us. He knows what's gonna happen. I, it's it's Brad Brad and Dan from Moves from Hell. They know they're gonna derail everything. I, I'm just prepared <laughs> for it to happen. So yeah, it's it's a good movie if you like Jean Louis and just like kind of weird artsy stuff. And it's hard to explain. Just you kind of go into it, watch it. You might hate it. You might love it. You might just be fascinated by it and don't know what to say. Uh, there's that. And an, uh, mm-hmm. Nakadai double feature, Face of Another. His kind of Frankenstein, um, fr- uh, what's the other one? Uh, it's kind of makes a, uh, like slash mad, mad scientist slash like some, like very, I can't remember another movie I'm trying to think of. But it, it's, uh, Nakadai, he gets a new face and his personality changes. Or was mm-hmm. that the person he was the whole time? But mm. it's it's a mysterious and beautiful and off-putting and upsetting, and uh, it's kind of like everything I love in a movie, and has the greatest actor of the 20th century uh, starring in it, and other movie, Sword of Doom, where Nakadai plays the absolute most evil person you'll <laughs> ever see on screen, and he's so compelling, and uh, Sword of Doom uh, is kind of like the uh one of the most stylistic movies uh mm-hmm. samurai, samurai movies i've seen and it's it is great and it has toshiro mafune in it in a smaller part but um uh if you if you just want to see nakadai like be pure evil and some amazing sword fights you have to see sort of doom if you have not seen it yet i do love that movie I haven't watched it for a long time, but it's it's a favorite. Yeah, it is. We did an episode in that first season, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mess up it so much. J Dog, <laughs> you? Oh, like, the only one that I can think of that I mean, another episode we did was the Pornographers, is a yeah. Shoei Imamura movie. Yes, and uh, it's 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 a dark comedy. Like it's it's it it goes some places where you're like, uh, you like that is is that funny? I don't know. It's but, it's uh, a memoir. It's is it's his um, <laughs> it's his mean sense of humor. It, it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's incredible. The the movie's incredibly compelling about these these people who are like gross, but they're they're also just trying to live their lives, but. Uh, it, it's hard. I can't really describe it, like because it, it's all about these weird relationships that these were having, and, and I'm saying weird because it's not the kind of relationship I've ever had with anybody, and uh, I don't know. I'm I'm losing. I I can't even. Yeah. You should just watch it. I know it's called <laughs> the Pornographers. Yeah, it's uh, weird, but just watch it. Yeah, uh, Criterion. If incest mm. bothers you a lot, don't watch it. It will be upset. <laughs> It'll be too upsetting. <laughs> I'll leave it. Why would incest bother? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a trigger warning for some people. Some people really no, don't. No, no, I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one yeah. people. If three ways bother you, don't watch uh, Blow Up. Don't watch Blow Up, yeah. <laughs> okay. This will be. This will come out early October. 
So, uh, what's coming out in October? This, oh, the next movie is a, uh, uh, who is that guy? Melville. It's, another, it's a Melville movie. Oh. Yeah, do you want to join us on that? You're you're free to if you feel like it. What is, what's the movie? Uh, what's that movie? Called? I don't know what you're talking about. It, cause it was, it was going to be Black Girl, but I'm pushing Black Girl back a few months. The second Breath. Second Breath. Yeah. Where did you get that movie? Um, I was looking for a French movie to uh-huh. replace it, and I found that. Le douze, le douze, I don't know how you pronounce it. Le douze, <laughs> le douze, le souffle. No, souffle. <laughs> yeah, maybe no. It's that's word for breath. Uh, I forgot how you say the two-timing it. Two-timing delicious souffle. Yeah, Aaron, if you want to join us for that, you can. Okay. Because like Melville, yeah, and we we realistically, like there's so many things coming up. I don't think I'll get to Le Cirque Rouge at any time. I know, yeah, I know for a fact. At any time ever? Well, I mean, yeah, for I for the podcast. <laughs> oh. Within our lifetime, yeah, there will no. never be a reason. We, we, if you ever want to talk about Le Cirque Rouge, I'm right there. Yeah. But it, I love that movie. Yeah. What year did Le Circular Rouge That's 70 or 71. Okay. But that might be in the Melville episode. We're going to watch five five movies for that one. Because like, the two guests have kind of added too much. I might ask them to reduce it. Yeah. Yeah, about cool. a month or so. And what else is there? Oh, the Halloween episodes. Uh, oh. I'll announce it. Who cares? Deep Red and Vampire. Well, there are two Halloween episodes this year. And the. I think that's it. J Dog, are you going to be on anything within the next month? We're going to have a. We're going to have to talk about that afterwards. I don't know what's going on. We'll find out. Okay. And Aaron, <laughs> thank you for your time. And are you going to. Thank you. Do so uh, yeah, I do have a um, I have a Bridgerton podcast coming mm. out called Talk of the Ton, um, mm. and yeah, it's with my friend um, L, or you may know her as Lindsay Spencer, although she oh. uses uh, the name L for um, podcasting. But um, yeah, we've recorded a um, maybe like eight or ten episodes, and we'll release that probably within a month. Um, so they they should be released by the time this comes out. Um, okay. And we just got um, Dr. Kwame Phillips to do our intro <laughs> Ooh, oh. with with his lovely British accent. So that was very nice. Um, very cool. So yeah, so it's, it's called Talk of the Ton and you can find it wherever you download podcasts. Oh, nice. Uh, are you talking the, is it, wait, did you say the, the book series or the TV series? We talk about both, but we um, really just talk about the Netflix series. But we did read all the books in the series as well. So oh, okay. yeah. And, yeah, no big uh, deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I, what will I be on? Oh, f- oh yeah, I'm gonna be on um movies from hell. The John Waters series are doing. I got the seventies because cool. I want the I want the gross ones. I want to talk about a rosary job and stuff like that. So <laughs> I get Baltimore represent. <laughs> and Grumpire, uh. Their whole thing is uh, you pick a movie you don't like and you pick a movie that's similar that you do like and you talk about like why one works why one works and one doesn't. So I have Mandy for why I don't like 
and for do like I saw the devil that might be out by now or not. Mm. So that was a fun conversation talking about it. Nice. That's a cool premise. Yeah. What was the first movie? Mandy for don't like for do like I saw the devil. I haven't seen Mandy, but I do Uh, love I I saw the devil. I did love Mandy, but I've that's a future conversation. Yeah, I've tried. <laughs> I've tried three times. It, oh, jeez. It doesn't work for me. Oh. Okay. Well, I, then no, no. That's more than enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah they they have fun 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 show. They, the newest one was on, uh, promising young woman, uh, for the mm. one the guest doesn't like, and for they mm. did like was revenge, and that's a really fascinating conversation just about like feminism and, mm-hmm. uh, like sexual assault on film. It, it's it definitely is like a uh no check that one out it's yeah it's a great it made me re- rethink like rambo because it it cause like revenge is kind of rambo which i never even realized until mm. they brought it up but uh yeah so um yeah see you guys for uh second breath or maybe the halloween episodes i don't know the order i'm releasing things <laughs> well reach out whenever I'm happy to talk about movies with you too alright the show can be found on twitter at pianoplayerpod our email is still highlowpod at gmail.com you can find a show on spotify podbean and various other places where you can find podcasts our intro music is by vivian fop and our cover art is by sarah roberts you can find her art sarahkathleenroberts.com and thank you for listening